James chapter 1, verse number 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The Apostle James, a pastor in the New Testament, uh, ministering to a congregation and obviously writing not just for their benefit but for ours. And one translation renders the verse this way, God decided, that's, that's the phrase I want you to, to key in on today, God decided to give us life through the word of truth so we might be the most important of all the things he made. Wow. So God's intentions toward us are for our good. I know you realize that, but I want to talk to you for a little while, and this is my title, God Decided. God Decided. Would you give the Lord a great praise? Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you shout hallelujah? It'll feel good, I promise. Hallelujah! He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. Now, I'm not trying to uh, somehow uh, get any of us into a position today where uh, we would have an attitude about I'm better than other people. But I do think we have to kind of press against, especially in difficult times, uh, an attitude that almost heightens our awareness of our weaknesses, our liabilities, and the things that we would consider as against us, and sometimes cause us to forget we have a God who is for us. Amen. God is for us. And this didn't just start yesterday or last week or last month or it didn't just start because you became a Christian or became a part of a church. No, none of that is that recent. God before the foundation of the world. In fact, Jesus is described as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So from the very beginning, before anything, God made decisions about how he would interact with people like you and me. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. Now this may come as news to you, but there is a war going on. There, there has been a war raging throughout the generations. In fact, we know from scripture that there was a failed coup, a failed rebellion in heaven. And Satan and about a third of the angels were ultimately cast out. These fallen angels now have been given, the Bible says, a short time. And if you want to use this description, it's a short time to basically terrorize the earth and the people and certainly the saints of God. So they have a limited scope of operation in that the time is short. And yet they are determined to reach into the lives of people and to activate 
difficulty so that as we struggle, we might start to believe that God really doesn't love us. Can you imagine? Or we might start to believe that God's promises are not true. I, I know what I'm describing. If you haven't taken time to look at the scripture, it can seem overwhelming. What do you mean a struggle, a battle? Well, you know, good versus evil. Some of that is part of this. And some of the effort of the enemy is to convince the child of God, the believer, that there's no way God can bless you. And can you imagine living with that feeling that, that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't have a plan for me, that God doesn't have what I need, and, and if he had it, he wouldn't give it to me anyway. What a way to live. And yet, of course, when we talk about these things, uh, we're very quick to just point out there's victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's great victory in our wonderful Savior. In fact, Jesus has already won these battles for us. We're just learning to walk in that victory. We're just learning to take that power that he gives us and use it in a manner that lets the victory be present in our lives. In Revelation chapter 12, it says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they love not their lives unto death. So even as the scripture begins to describe this battle, it often describes the victory that is present for the child of God. And for that, we say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. For that, we say to God be the glory. We win. Amen. I preached a message one time entitled, We Win. And that is the attitude that we should live with, understanding that ultimately we put our trust in Jesus, we put our faith in God, and we win the battle, and we see the victory. Amen. This pastor, James, he was teaching these early Christians that when they were tempted, when they were struggling, when, when they were fighting, in this battle, they should not let their mind or their thoughts engage in a perspective that would cause them to feel like God was against them. Listen to what he says. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. He taught those early Christians, don't ever say or believe that it is God that is tempting you. Now, God will test you, but God is not tempting you in an effort to make you fail. 
Amen. God is not tempting you. James was very clear. You understand how temptation works. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And then, of course, lust, when it conceives, it brings sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings death. And he's describing this, one of the reasons, so that those early believers, and we also would understand, we are not serving a God who's just ready and waiting to put the hammer on us the moment we fail. Praise God. He's, he's not watching us every day just to catch us in our mistakes or to catch us in our failures or to catch us in our weaknesses. The battle is real. We battle our flesh. We struggle with a system of the world that really has an antichrist spirit that drives it. And there are things that are forcefully done even in the system of the world to try to cause people to deny God and to deny his purpose. We do fight this enemy that I described before. Unseen forces of darkness that are against God and they desire to destroy believers and weaken faith in God. The enemy wants to devour you and I and yet even with those things, the challenge for us, don't be discouraged, don't be dismayed, don't be deceived, don't start getting in the wrong idea about what's going on. Don't misinterpret your circumstances and become convinced that God just wants to destroy you and see you lose. That's not the God that we serve. Amen. God is for us. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God decided to raise us up. God decided to give us the power and the glory and the strength that we need to overcome. God decided. In fact, Jesus said, don't ever forget, and I'm paraphrasing, I've gone to prepare a place for you. God decided that heaven would be our home. Amen. Hallelujah. I didn't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. But God decided and regularly decides to bless me. How about you? Amen. God blesses me. How about you? Every answered prayer, every move of his spirit, every blessing. In fact, every day and every morning that we wake up and begin to recognize we've got one more day. Even if it feels like a challenging day, it still is a wonderful reminder. I've got a God that cares about me and he decided to bless me with another day. Oh, would you give him glory? Hallelujah. 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 In fact, truth be told, even though I've described the struggle and the fight in what feels like ominous terms, it's really not even a fair fight. Amen. It really isn't even a fair 
fight. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, the 70, he had sent out 70 to teach and, and to witness and they returned. And this is what they said. Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. In verse 18, Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And then he said, behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And I know that we've heard stories that some have taken this to believe that they should be handling uh, uh, serpents and snakes just to prove that God has power. I don't believe that's what this means and I don't think that's a very wise way to apply this principle what the principle is showing us is even when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will be a standard in your life. Even when the enemy begins to place traps in your way, I've given you power to overcome. I've given you power in the name of Jesus to see the victory. Even when something feels overwhelming, you don't give up. You don't give in. You don't just throw up your hands in despair. You simply cry out and say, Lord, let your power give me what I need so that I can have the victory that God wants me to have. Amen. What a mighty God we serve who chooses to give us the power of his spirit and the authority of praying in his name for the victory. We should probably ask you now, have you received the power since you believed? Have you felt like walking with the Lord and looking to his word has caused you to become infused with his power so that you can overcome? Are you walking in that power today? Are you walking with assurance today? Not that you feel confident in your own strength, but that you can say, I believed on the Lord. I was baptized in his name. His blood covers me. His spirit fills my heart. I have power and authority and victory, not because I deserve it, but because God decided that I should have it. Amen, amen. We are a chosen generation. God decided that he would work with us. We are a royal priesthood a holy nation. We are his people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. We have opportunity and blessing and strength. You say, well, I know some believers that say they seem to have a lot of problems and a lot of struggles. We don't deny that it rains on the just and the unjust. We don't deny that there are great victories, but also great challenges. But we don't Re reject who we are our identity we are the children of the most high God and he has given us power to overcome and we choose to walk in that power amen oh to God 
be the glory. The Apostle Paul was writing. In fact, several of his letters were written from a prison cell. And yet when he uh, wrote to early church uh, believers, early Christians, uh, he was very careful. In fact, often he would say, I don't want you to be discouraged because of my suffering. Think about that. This great apostle, he, was, he went through so many things, beaten and, and, and shipwrecked and, and often uh, enduring so many difficult circumstances and, and in prison many times. And, and sometimes uh, you look at his life and you can't imagine why and how someone could go through so much in order to do the will of God. And so the Apostle Paul, in several places, uh, he was trying to let them know, I don't want you to be discouraged because of my suffering. And I believe that he was doing that because he knew that they would suffer. Maybe not to uh, the degree that he uh, was suffering, but he recognized if they started to misinterpret his struggle, uh, then they would misinterpret their struggle. If they started to look at his suffering and believe that's a sign that God's not pleased uh, and now you're going to suffer, then they might start to think that way about their own suffering and their own struggles and the apostle Paul was careful he said I'm trying to let you see that God has a plan I believe God's revealed it to me he said in one place and I am here to reveal it to you God has ordained that all of us would operate as the children of God that all of us you see those ancient people believed it was restricted to just the Jewish nation and yet the Apostle Paul came and he said listen one thing that I need to do even through my ministry is make sure all of you know that we're not born into this kingdom naturally as part of the Jewish nation that you as new birth Holy Ghost filled children of God who've been baptized in Jesus name filled with the Holy Ghost and Involved by faith in following God and his purpose. You need to know that God decided to make that happen. God decided to put you in this family. God decided to raise you up in the power of his spirit. God decided to give you a hope, a future, a power, an authority, a boldness, an ability to walk with him and to know his power and his presence to fulfill his purpose. God decided that. Amen. I, I believe even as the apostle Paul and the apostle James would say it to us through the word. I can say it to you in this message. Don't you start misinterpreting your struggle and your difficulty and your challenge. Don't you start looking at circumstances that are not going your way and somehow conceive that God has given up on you, that God is finished with you. I'm here to preach to you. God decided every good and perfect gift comes from above, not because we deserve it, but because God decided. God decided to love you. God decided to forgive you. God decided to call you. God decided to redeem you. God decided to strengthen you. God 
decided to give you the joy and the peace of the Holy Ghost. And he is committed to his decision. And he will see you through all the way. Would you give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. 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 In fact, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, the verses will come up. He said, I'm praying for you that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He didn't stop there. He said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I don't know, but let that just kind of filter into your spirit right now. The apostle Paul is praying and he's even reaching past the church of his day throughout the generations to 2020 and he's telling us God wants to do a work in your life God wants his power to work in you God wants to use you God wants you to understand the breadth, the height, the length the width, the depth all of the expanse of his power and his ability to work in the hearts and the lives of those he has chosen. I don't know about you, but that makes me thankful and grateful. Oh, I'm so glad I belong to Jesus. Praise God. I, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time keeping my composure today. I, I recognize that when you view this, uh, you may wonder, well, what's all the excitement about? The excitement is this. I don't deserve it. Amen. I'll say it in my... In my indoor, inside voice, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this mercy. I don't deserve this power. I don't deserve this grace. I don't deserve this freedom. And yet where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to have a mind that recognizes God's purpose and, and continually experiences more revelation. Not because I'm special, not because I deserve it. Because God decided he would do that for us. Hallelujah. So James says, God decided, and now it's up to us to decide. Now hear that. Think about that because we're going to wrap this up, but this is, this is important. God decided, but now it's up to us to decide. He says in verse 16, right there where we began today, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. One translation says, 
Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good gift and every perfect present comes from heaven. It comes down from God, the creator of the heavenly lights, who does not change or cause darkness by turning or reversing his way. God decided, and now we must decide. The might that we read in our opening text, he decided this so that we might become. That might is a signal to us. God's decided, and now we have to decide. God wants to give me his best, but now I've got to decide I want his best. God wants me to experience his power, and now I've got to decide that I want his power. Why? Because God will not override your free will as it relates to your decision to follow him, to love him, to worship him. God's already decided with every move you make toward him, he'll pour out blessings you cannot even contain. But you and I still have to decide, I want what God has for me. Amen. That's why lifting your hands and saying hallelujah, that's no small thing. That's why lifting your voice and saying, I love you, Jesus. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my family. That's no small thing. And I know we're talking about the election. That's like you going into that polling booth and pulling the lever and saying, that's who I vote for. That's what happens when you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. That's what happens when you say, Lord, have your way in my life. That's what happens when you say, Lord, I want your word to be a lamp and a light. I want to follow you. I want to obey you. What's happening? God decided and now I'm deciding. I want to follow him. Hallelujah. I want his blessings. I want his purpose. I want his will to be accomplished in my life. God decided, but now we must decide. And James says, don't be deceived. He says, don't be deceived. Make a decision that affirms your desire to honor God's purpose. In the Old Testament, I'll finish up with this. It's an illustration, but it really is the story. I believe it bears out the experience of a man in the Old Testament, part of the children of Israel, and it so happens he was a worship leader. He was a minister in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, and, and, and he had an experience that perhaps we can relate to. He starts out in Psalm 73, and you can read the whole chapter, and I'll just kind of hit some of the highlights, but he starts out by saying, God is indeed good, to Israel, to those who have pure hearts. He's acknowledging, I've got a good God. I've got a faithful God. I've got a God who's so good. And yet he confesses in verse number two of Psalm 73, Asaph, this worship leader, he says, but I had nearly lost confidence. My faith was almost gone. Well, it's good to hear a little honesty, isn't it? <laughs> it's good. I know preachers get up and scream and sweat, but it's good to hear a little honesty. 
He said, I, I got to tell you something. God is good. But I had nearly lost confidence. My faith was almost gone. Well, what happened, Asaph? He says, well, I was jealous of the proud when I saw that things go well for the wicked. Not only, Asaph is saying, not only did I misinterpret my own suffering, but I also misinterpreted the, the fact that it seemed like the evil people were progressing and, and somehow advancing while I was suffering and enduring so much trouble. He says, my confidence was just shaken and my faith was almost gone. And he said, I got so troubled and so confused and, and I felt that my circumstances were overwhelming. He goes on. If you want transparency, listen to what he says. He says, look, have I cleansed myself for nothing? You talk about transparency. He's saying, and I'm paraphrasing. He's saying, is living for God, is it worthless? Is it for nothing? Have I done what I've done for no reason? Have I refrained from sin and it's pointless? He said, God, you made me suffer all day long. Every morning you have punished me. He said, if I said one of these things, I know I wouldn't be acting as one of the people of God, but my confidence was shaken. Do you hear that? I'm hurrying, but I'm telling you, this is an example of what it's like to become deceived. He said, I tried to think this problem through, but it was so difficult for me. It was overwhelming. He said, I'm just having a hard time understanding why I'm suffering while I'm doing the right thing. And others seem to be prospering while they're committing the things that God says that you should never do. He said, this was overwhelming for me. And I feel like the... Pastor James, the apostle, would say, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. God's decided. He wants to help you. He wants to help you. You need to realize that we struggle at times. There are no perfect people in the family of God. There are no problem-free people in the family of God. There are no trouble-free people in the family of God or amongst the ministry. We all have struggles at times, and yet we've made up our mind. We've decided, I'll go God's way the rest of my life. God's decided, and so we have to decide don't give up don't give in don't let fear overtake you open up your heart and let God give you what you need to overcome he's already decided that the outcome for you will be an outcome of victory and the promises of God will be fulfilled don't be deceived and so when we look at this testimony from this worship leader, Asaph, from the 73rd Psalm, what did he do to win the battle against deception? Number one, I believe instead of becoming so preoccupied with the present evil, he started focusing on the future glory. Psalm 73, verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. He says, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast hold in my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. 
people and afterward receive me up to glory. Can I confess to you that if all that you allow your mind to focus on is the present evil, whether it be in your thoughts, whether it be in social media, whether it be in all the nonsense that we hear from the news outlets of the day, if we get overwhelmed in focusing on the present evil, we will be destroyed. But once in a while, in fact regularly, we got to shake that off, put that away, shut it down, and turn your heart towards the promises of God. Yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Heaven is my home. There's a glory that will be revealed in my life, in my family, in our church family, in our community. God's promises will come to pass. Hallelujah. Asaph overcame deception by getting his mind off the present evil. I'm not telling you that you got to ignore everything that's going on, but don't let it drown you and overwhelm your thoughts. Begin to concentrate on the promises of God. Believe what God says about the future more than what the world is saying about the present. Let your hope be in heaven. What else did Asaph do? Verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you remember? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you remember? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What are you saying? I'm saying Asaph learned, if I'm going to beat deception, I've got to let God strengthen me. And New Testament believers, we know how He strengthens us by the renewing of our mind, by the renewing of our heart, through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a Pentecostal thing or a Baptist thing or a Catholic thing. The Holy Spirit Spirit is for everyone that believes on Jesus Christ. And when you let the Spirit strengthen you, you'll have liberty, you'll have strength to do the will of God. God will help you to overcome. Would you give the Lord praise? Hallelujah. Don't forget the power that comes through His Spirit. If you don't understand, get a hold of us. We'll teach you about the Spirit of God. We'll teach you about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Don't forget the power that comes when you pray in the Spirit and allow the Holy Ghost to renew you. Why? Because if you're going to overcome deception, you've got to be strengthened in the inner man through the power of His Spirit. Finally, so you're looking at Asaph, this worship leader, who was starting to misinterpret his struggle. And he began to recognize, I can't just focus on the present evil. I've got to focus on the future glory. He began to recognize, I can't do this in my own strength. I've got to have the strength that God can give me and he'll give you strength through the power of his spirit. And then finally, he won his battle against deception by simply drawing close to God. Verse 27, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. They will be destroyed. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. 
He learned if I'm going to beat deception, I got to stay close to, pardon me, I got to stay close to God. I'm just here to remind you and me, it's up to us how much we pray. It's up to us how much we pray. Hello? It's up to us how much we pray. It's up to us how much time we spend in the Word. It's up to us how strongly we unite with the body of Christ. And all of those things have a great impact on us. They help us to draw close to God. They help to strengthen us in our walk with God. But God does not force us. He's already decided the blessings that will come if you honor Him and draw close to Him. But you have to decide and I have to decide if we're going to make him Lord of our lives if we're going to draw close to him if you want to beat deception you've got to let God have his way in your life you've got to open up your heart and draw near to him I need you Lord I need you you know what I want you to read it later on, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 7. I'm going to read it pretty fast. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perished though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's our position as believers even through manifold temptations, even when we're in enduring difficult heaviness and circumstances. That's our position. If we'll just decide, I want what God has promised me. I want the life that God has promised me. He'll keep his promise. Would you lift your hands right there in the room? I know even if it's unusual for you to do that, I challenge you to do it and say, Lord, would you come into my heart and be Lord of my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? Would you fill me with your spirit and now begin to worship him? How do you worship? Oh, you just love him and praise him. You're a good God. I thank you for your mercy. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And while you're worshiping, the power of God is about to fall in that room right now. In the name of Jesus, by the authority of the Word of God, be filled with the Holy Ghost while you worship the Lord. He wants to help you today. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, that's it. Keep praying. Keep worshiping. Keep honoring God. Let him have his way in your life. Oh, God's decided to bless you. Let him do it. God's decided to fill you. Let him do it. God's decided to give you heaven. 
let him do it through the power of his spirit. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Let your blessing be upon these that are seeking you right now. In Jesus' name. And to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hallelujah.